Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are your Bibles, go ahead and just open to the book of Proverbs, and I'll guide you in a moment what chapter you should be at. On Monday, I was just with the Lord and just having um, just a moment with God, and, um, and really, God is so good. You know, he, began, he begins to speak, and he begins to do a beautiful work, and he begins to speak to us, his, his heart. And I feel like today I, I want to share something that, that quickly spoke and, and it was quickly activated in my heart. And it's about decisions. You saw me maybe post something on social media. Forgive me, guys. I'm just like setting up a timer here for me. Got to put some WD-40 on this, baby. All right. Um, decisions are a very, it's a very interesting word. It's a very interesting concept because we're constantly making decisions. And I want to talk to you about this today, and I want to speak um, from, a, from a very open heart because I think we, we, we all deal with this. I don't think there's one person more than the other. We all have to make decisions in our lives. Some decisions are harder than others. Some decisions are harder. But what I've learned also about decisions is that when you need to make a decision, if it's not most of your decisions or all of your decisions, you'll notice that those decisions have power to affect the people around you. Have you noticed that every decision you make, you think it's about yourself, but it also has to do with the people around you? Every decision we make, the decisions we make do not just have to do with us. The decisions I make, it's not just about me but most times, many times, it's about others. Others are involved in it. Others are going to get affected by it. There's people around me that will receive the consequences, whether good or bad, from the decisions that I make today. And that is so true in our families, in our workplace. And I think us being good decision makers is so important if you say that the Spirit of Christ is living in you. Are you with me? How can we say that the Spirit of God lives in us, but we constantly live making bad decisions? And we justify and say, but I'm human. But God knows my heart. And we say, no, it's wrong. You made the wrong decision. I hope you guys are with me. I hope you guys understand it. And I hope you guys can relate to this because if not, I don't know. I don't know how we can't. I mean, it's, we all fall under this. So how you decide, when you decide, I mean, we could go down the list. All of this is so important. All of it. I asked you to turn to Proverbs because there's a famous Proverbs that, that is very popular and maybe one of the most famous of scriptures when it comes to making decisions. And I'm sure that that know the Proverbs, maybe you went straight to it. And it's in Proverbs chapter 3. It's a very popular proverb. 
It's an often quoted proverb, often preached about proverb, often referenced proverb. But let's go ahead and read it together. Because I think that if we're going to speak about how do I make right decisions, that's the title of today's conversation here, we need to look at what this wise writer once wrote. And he says this, and I'm going to start in verse 5. And he says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. We've broken down here in church what heart means. It's not necessarily the organ that's pumping and giving you a heartbeat and pumping blood through your system. It's the center of your being. It's the, every aspect of who you are, trust the Lord with your heart. So now I trust the Lord with all of my heart. And then he says, and do not lean or another translation says, do not depend on your own understanding. Verse 6, in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he, obviously speaking about the Lord, will make straight your paths. Another translation says, seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You've read this verse before? You've heard this verse before? We're not done. We still have verse 7 and 8. Very popular scripture. But look at these words. Look what's being told. Look, look so far. in, Like just in verse 5, we could just stop there and, 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 and go on a tangent. And in 5 and 6, I, I want you to see all the things that it's saying. I mean, the depth of it. And, and we, when we read uh, verses 5 and 6, it's very easy that I could read this and I could say, Amen. Praise God. His word is good. Verse 5 is good. And verse 6 is good. It's good. There's good scripture here. Amen. But, but if we're going to say amen to what is written here, I want you to know that there's something that is required of us. There's something that you and I as Christians, as followers of God, if the Lord really lives in us, that we need to walk in. It's, it's mentioned in verse 6, then it's mentioned in verse 7. And he begins to say, in all of our ways, everyone say this, in all of my ways. That's every part of your ways. Every chamber, every compartment. Every single part of you. In all of your ways, there's something that we must do. And the scripture says, to acknowledge him. Acknowledge the Lord, not just in some of your ways, not in most of your ways, but acknowledge the Lord, and Scripture is, is making sure that you understand this, it's in all of our ways that we are to acknowledge Him. So we're, we're talking about decisions. So if I have to make decisions, are those decisions acknowledging the Lord? Am I acknowledging the Lord? I want, I want you to see this. And then in verse 7, as it tells us in all of our ways, acknowledge him. In verse 7, he says this. this. This is interesting. He also goes and he says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord 
and turn away from evil. So we just said some beautiful words. We said, trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Do not lean or depend on our own understanding. In all of my ways, acknowledge him, and he's going to make my path straight. And then be not wise in my own eyes. And then he says, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. One translation says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Verse 8, it will be, if you do these scriptures, if you, if, if the scriptures that are required, the scripture that you should walk in, these truths about God and these truths about us in our lives, if this is so in us, the believer, the beloved followers of Jesus, if it's so, verse 8, it will be healing to your flesh, healing to your body, and it will be refreshment or strength to your bones. Amen. When you read Proverbs chapter 3, I kind of um, look at a mirror, and I recognize my shortcomings. I recognize that God is good, and I recognize that I'm not. I recognize that there's been many a times in where I was acknowledging, or I fell, or I um, was impressed by my own wisdom. Or I was leaning on my own understanding. Something erupts in your life and you jump in and you say, oh, I know what to do. I understand this matter. You get involved in it. Immediately, you might have seen that your understanding was not accurate. And you've ever been there? Oh, I have wisdom in this issue. And you get involved and then you recognize, wait a minute, my wisdom wasn't manifested in this issue. And then you recognize, oh, maybe there was no wisdom in it. So I look at the scripture and I see how good God is and I see how frail. And I see that in Proverbs, he's calling me to walk in something. And he's also telling me, Regal, your decisions should not be made, not ever, in your own wisdom. He's telling me as I read this that if I'm going to make decisions, my decisions better be seeking his wisdom. And you could say, yeah, but what about the insignificant, dumb, little, stupid ones? And I could say, even those little, insignificant ones, give it, into the, give it to the wisdom of the Lord. Verse 7 shows us it should be made from, it should be processed through the fear of the Lord that all of us should have. Look at verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Turn away from all evil. Fear the Lord. If I'm going to make any decision, if I'm going to operate in any kind of wisdom, if there's anything that's going to come out of me, it needs to be from this place right here, and it's got to be through the fear of the Lord that I should be living in. And I'm going to ask you today, because you are his sons and daughters, do you live in the fear of the Lord? Has your hands taken a hold of the fear of the Lord? Yes? So there's some scripture that we could just fly by real quick. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, look at the fear of the Lord. Look at some things 
about the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the, guess what it says? It's the beginning of wisdom. How many of you could honestly say, seriously, like honestly say, I pray in my life that I could have more wisdom? All right. I pray in my life that I could have more wisdom. I need, I need wisdom. I'm sure you need wisdom. And if you thought that you've touched the top of the wisdom pole and you've made it, that toe just flipped on you. And you need to keep growing in wisdom. We need to keep searching wisdom. But look what Proverbs tells us. Proverbs says that if I'm going to find wisdom, the beginning of it, it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Psalm 110, verse 10, it goes ahead and it echoes the same thing. It says, the fear of the Lord, there it is again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And all those who practice it have good understanding. His praise endures forever. Did you read this verse? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But then it says what? Those who Practice it, have good understanding. What does that mean? You need to put it to action. You can't say you have the wisdom of God, but everything about you is operating in foolishness. If the wisdom of the Lord is in me, then every decision I make, every journey I take, every path I take, it needs to be what? Look what Scripture tells us in Psalm 110. Practice it. Put it to play. Let it become who you are. And in that, you're going to have good understanding. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says the fear of the Lord. Again, trust me, I just grabbed three scriptures, but all over Proverbs, all over the text, we see that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all these things. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs 1, 7, it says it's the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is... The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, comma. Look at this verse. It says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. I mean, not us. There's not one fool in this place. Not one fool, starting with me. There's not one fool who despises the wisdom of God, who despises the instruction of God. Amen? I wish that was true. I've been such a fool at times. Such a fool. And, and, and I want you to recognize this, this beautiful words, this picture that is being paint, painted of, of most importance. It's the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning. of I want wisdom. I want knowledge. And the Lord says, well, it won't happen if you're not living in the fear of the Lord. I was reading an article, I believe it was uh, Christianity.com, and I was reading an article, and I want to share um, some things that I read about the fear of the Lord. That word fear, sometimes it scares people because it's used normally as a negative word, as a negative concept, fear, and you think, oh, no, scary. But that's not what fear is in the Scripture. It's not when you're afraid of something, okay, something particular that is bad or something that is negative in some way. We, we think that that's what fear is. And that's not what it is. When we're talking about the fear of the Lord, you see, God isn't bad. So we can't look at the fear of the Lord as a bad thing or as a negative concept. 
We know that God is a good God. Amen. He is our heavenly Father. He is our creator who loves us and who made each of us in his image. So so how are we supposed to fear the Lord? What is the, the fear of the Lord? Well, the fear and the awe of God, the fear and the awe of God himself, of him, of who he is, his immense his, his, his immense nature, his holy nature, his majesty. Think about all the things that God is. It's not about his wrath only, but it's about his power. That with one word, God can speak things into, into life. Have you ever read Genesis chapter 2 and just put your book down and say, how does God with a word bring the stars and the moon and the sun? How with, with one word does he bring the trees and the, and the creatures of the earth? Like how is it? And it's because he's a powerful, majestic, good God. And in that we should have the fear of that Lord. It can mean the fear, the awe, the respect as human beings that we are, that we have towards our Lord. We don't disrespect the Lord. We don't mock the Lord. We don't spit on the Lord. If we are followers of him, we are in relationship with God. Are you in a relationship with God? I'm going to go check your bio on Facebook and on Instagram and see if it says in a relationship. Every single one of you, if you have, you say, the Spirit of God living in you, you are in a relationship. You're not courting. You're not dating. If God is your Savior, you are married to God. So now switch your bio to put in a relationship, slash married, and put a ring symbol on it, and then put to a king, to a creator, comma, to a Savior, To the one who speaks things and they happen. Do you know your friends, men and women, they'll look at you and say, whoa, I want to meet your spouse. You'll bring many people to Jesus. Change your bios today, amen? You're all married. And we're in awe of his majesty. We are in relationship with this God who came to us. And this is the fear that we think of. And we should commonly think of. As human beings, that it should be difficult for us to look at the world and not have this mindset. Because sometimes it's hard to look at this world beyond our own perspective, but that we could look at it from our beloved's perspective and say, oh my God, all of this is so much more than what my eyes even know, what my mind can't even think. Oh, if I'm just one with my beloved, he will reveal things to me. Come on, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. I had a weird dream that woke me up at 5.30, which was great because I set my alarm for 5.40. I went for a run this morning, and I went, woke up with a buddy of mine. He was in a run with me. He ran with me. But I, when he got to my house, he ran from his house to my house. I was wired already. I was like, bro, I'm wired. And it was, it, <laughs> and it was um, 6 o'clock, and he showed up to my house, and I'm, and I'm already like, let's go. How much are we going to do? He said, what happened to you? I said, dude, I had the craziest dream. Maybe it's for someone here. I don't know. It's weird. But when you hear my dream, you bunch of nosy people. <laughs> my wife was in the hospital. This might not have nothing to do with the message. 
We'll see how God can turn it. If not, it's good. You see how desperate I am of God's grace. My wife's in the hospital, and it was weird. It was like, it was like, um, it was like weird, like, like COVID weird. Like, you know how you couldn't go visit the hospital because they were, the family members couldn't go and all that. Remember all that when that was happening? But then, you know how dreams are weird. It was like flashes, and the next thing you know, she's in the hospital. And the next thing you know, it was like two weeks since she was in the hospital. Two weeks. And I had enough of it as a husband, as a man. So I, 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 bar- <laughs> I barged into the, all I remember is I, got, I, I said, I'm going. And the next thing you know, I was in the room. I opened up the door, and I was inside the room. And my wife's on the bed, and then there was nurses, I guess doctors all over. And I looked at them, and I said, what's going on in here? I went in with boldness. I said, what's going on in here? And my wife's laying down. She's like, imagine, Rigo, you know how it is. And she looks like sick, I guess. Two weeks there. And I said, come on, come on. She needs to get up. And then some of the nurses says, no, 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 she can't do that. And I, and, and I said, what's going on? And then it was the weirdest thing. One lady who was like in charge there or whatever, she says, she says something about lizard, like a, a, a reptile. She, says, she mentioned something about a reptile. Like, oh, it's something about a, a weird, a weird word, like a reptilian something. And I looked at her, and I, and I, and I like she was calling whatever my wife had, something about a reptilian. And, and, I, and I walked up to her like this, and I got in her face. I said, what did you just say? And when I looked at her eyes, she had beautiful green eyes. And her eyes began to dilate. They started to, like, blink at me and do weird things. Almost like a lizard. Almost like a reptile. Her eyes started to uh, function like a reptile. And I looked at her, and I see, oh, my God. And I looked at her, and I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. The hospital room is full. Immediately, she puts her head down, and she walks out of the room, and I could see her through a window, and she's there, and she's defeated. And I'm looking at the room, like, who's next? And I look at my wife, and next thing you know, Heaven falls, and revival starts to happen, and we're praying over people, the nurses in the room, and they're beginning to confess their sin, and we're praying, and they're boogers, and they're crying, and they're dripping, and they're falling on the floor in tears, and we're praying over them, and then there's another man that says, pray for my pastor, his son just died, and we start praying, and this man starts to break, and he starts to cry, and I open my eyes as I'm praying for this man, and I look, and I see a nurse come in with a, with a bag, um, with, a, with a luggage, and it was my wife's luggage saying, you're leaving. And my wife now was standing up, dressed, ready to go with her luggage. And I said, we're out of here. And I woke up. I just woke up. And I looked at my wife. She was still in the bed. I looked around. It was so real. And I said, I'm ready. I got up. And I, I got dressed. I said, I'm running. My, boy got, my buddy got there. And I said, bro, I'm so wired. I said, he said, what happened? I said, you don't know the dream I just had. I, I cast out a reptile. People were getting delivered. My wife was in the hospital bed. She got up. They brought her luggage. It was intense. It was intense. And we started running. And out of nowhere, I just started saying, Oh, Lord, that we would live in the authority that you give us that you've given us dominion over the things of this earth. You've called us to stand and step on the serpent's head, Lord, and to tread over serpent. I started running, and I started saying, and my friends looking at me like, amen, amen. And we were just like declaring these things at 6 in the morning running. Lord, I need to grow in the fear of the Lord. 
Because I don't want that to be a dream that I just put up on my wall and said, oh, I once had a crazy dream. But I want that to be a dream that when it happens, I can say I'm prepared. I'm prepared because I have wisdom. I'm prepared because of the fear of the Lord. And I'm prepared to stand in a room where darkness is reigning and declare the glory of Christ and watch heaven fall on that which is dark. What is it? It's the fear of the Lord. He's given us authority. He's given us the ability to walk into these places. It's the beginning of all wisdom. How many of you are in a hospital room and there's people sick and there's reptilian weird demons in the room and you don't have any kind of wisdom in how to operate it and the demons are tormenting you and they're in there and they're in the shape of your very own family member, of your very own co-worker. And you don't know how to fight the good fight because you don't have wisdom to look at their eyes and just to share the word of God. It doesn't have to be, I rebuke you. It could be, Jesus loves you. It could be, let me wash your feet. Come on, church. I mean, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of this wisdom and of this understanding. Are you in a room right now like the dream that I just had? And you're, and you're looking at all this stuff happening like my poor wife was in the bed. Regal, you know how it is? I said, yeah, I know how it is. Watch. And we started cast. And you're just going to let the enemy win? You're just going to let darkness prevail? Church, it's time to make right decisions. Because it affects everyone in the room. Can you imagine if I walked into that room, saw my wife there, say two weeks, the doctor would have said, hey, you can't do that here. I said, okay, I'm sorry. I, I got to go. And I would have left her there for dead. But no, in that dream, there was someone that walked in and was willing, was willing to be bold in Jesus. I, I want you to think about this for a moment. Are you in a room and the room is consuming you like it consumed me? But immediately Christ consumed it. I want that to be real true in all of your lives. Maybe that's why I dreamed it. Because some of you are in a room like that. And the Lord says, no more. It's time that you make right decisions in that room. And that you know how to speak to that which continues to oppose you. Amen? Amen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. But fools despise the wisdom and knowledge of God. I will not ask you to raise your hand. We love you too much for that. But have you ever despised the wisdom and the knowledge of God? How did it go for you? Do you know when he says the fools despise the wisdom and the knowledge of God, do you know what he means by the word fools? Anyone want to take a guess? No one? You guys are quiet today. It means fools. It actually means fools. I thought that there was some deep biblical concept to this word fools, and no, the Lord's like, fool? They're They're fools. The ones who despise wisdom are fools. The ones who despise uh, uh, God's leading, God's knowledge, they're fools. The word fools is silly. They're silly. I- I'm not trying to like, pick on Christians or none of that, but I've met some silly people in my life. I've met some very silly people that have a tremendous anointing of God, they say, but then they are silly. They're silly around people. They're silly in quiet places. They're silly all around. 
And I'm wondering if it's because they despise the wisdom and the knowledge of God. The word fools there is, is silly. It's having or showing a lack of sense or judgment. It's lacking common sense. It's lacking judgment. If you feel today that you are lacking sense and you are lacking judgment, what could it be? You lack wisdom, Scripture says. You lack wisdom. To lack wisdom means that in that individual there is no skill. So here's why we need wisdom. Everyone say, this is why I need wisdom. All right. We need wisdom to make right decisions. Do you know that Jesus, do you know that, remember the disciples we talked about when we did the Lord's Supper? Do you guys remember that whole thing that we just did? Watch this. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, this, these, these are Jesus' words. The word of God is so beautiful. He says, he says to his disciples, he says to his followers, the ones that we just spoke about during Lord's Supper, and he says this to them, Behold, I am sending you as sheep in the midst of wolves. Guys, that's you and I. We're going to be sent to, to sheep, as sheep to the midst of wolves, in the midst of wolves. And, and look what he says next. Jesus' words. He says, So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogue, and you will be dragged before governors, kings, for my sake. Every one of the disciples had to go through this. To bear, Christians have to go through this. To bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Verse 19, Matthew chapter 10. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious, worried. Do not lose your soul and your mind to anxiousness, to anxiety. When these things happen... Don't be anxious about these things and how you're to speak and what you're to say. For you are to say, for what you are to say, make the right decisions, say the right things, know when to say it, how to say it, where to say it. Then you'll know what to say. It will, you will know it and it will be given to you in that very hour. It's like when I walked into the room and I saw my wife laying on that bed. She doesn't know this dream yet. I haven't told her. And I walked into that bed and I saw that demon, whatever that thing was, uh, right there. I didn't know what to say. It was crazy. The scene in my dream was nuts. But immediately, immediately in that dream, the Spirit of the Lord took action. And bam, he gave me the words to say to every single nurse and every single doctor. And even to my very own wife who gave herself into that condition. You know what I told her? Get up from that bed. We're out of here. He'll give you what to say and whatever it is. L look what Jesus is saying. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death and father his child. And children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. This is nothing new. Family rises up against each other. Brothers against brothers. Fathers against children. Why? Because we're in a battle of light and darkness. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Not because of you. People don't hate you because of you. When you're a Christian, they despise you because of the Spirit of God that lives in you. And this is what he says. You'll be hated for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end, the endurer, the one who lives with endurance. I always tell people this. Just give them time. Give them time. Time will meet them on the other end, and we will see them for who they really are. Endurance. Endurance. Those, those that endure to the end, they will be saved. I want you to recognize what's going on here. The, the disciples were vulnerable. Jesus' followers, 
Man, they, they weren't to defend themselves with, with worldly forms of power. I'm going to fight the way they fight. But the Bible says in Matthew 10, Jesus' very own words, that they were to remain harmless as doves and wise as serpents. Wisdom would keep them from attracting trouble. Hey, church, listen. If you are a Christian and you are constantly in problems and in trouble, the things around you are not the problem. Christian follower, look deep down inside. There may be something wrong with you. What are we fighting with? What's our instrument? What's our tool? Whoa, whoa, I, you know how many times I've been there? Oh, Lord, look at everything around me. I swear it's nothing's going good. And the father looks at me and he says, son, it's because you're not doing good. Don't blame them. Look at yourself. Don't attract trouble, church. Unnecessary conversations, unnecessary things. Show them how to avoid it without compromise serpents he says wise as serpents serpents are attacked by everyone so what is jesus saying you must use creativity and wisdom to survive you must be wise as a serpent remaining harmless would keep the followers of jesus from giving in to the temptation of what we would call retaliation don't always get back don't always fight back How about just make the right decision and seek the wisdom of God for whatever it is that's happening? Maybe your understanding is not truly understanding. Maybe what you need is stop. Look for the fear of the Lord. Grow in that. Search for wisdom and make the decision in wisdom. Don't do it in your own understanding. Have you even given it to God yet? Have you even searched the Lord for it yet? Have you said, I can't make this decision unless God speaks it thoroughly through me? To me, so I could, so he could speak it through me, I can't do anything. Spurgeon says this, the Christian missionary will need to be wary to avoid receiving harm, but he must be a guileless mind and he do no harm What Spurgeon is saying is basically be cautious to avoid harm. Guileless, be innocent, a mind that has no deception in it, that we would do no harm. Make sure that your mind is guarded. We are not to have a mind that we're not to have a mind that constantly goes and runs to making wrong decisions, but the opposite, right decisions. We are to make decisions in the wisdom of God. But there is no wisdom in decision making if there is no fear of God. And that wisdom, that fear of the Lord grows as you fall in love with Jesus, as you fall in love with his words. Are you ready to talk about some disciplines in our lives? Yes or no? I want the fear of the Lord. I want wisdom. Amazing. How's the word of God doing? How's prayer doing? How is your worship doing? Like we can't just think that the Lord is going to, you know, these people like I'm just not going to get into the word of God. Then you're not going to get into wisdom. No one else can walk that wisdom for you. You need to get into the word of God. You need to have the word of God inside of you. You need to have and know how it is to live in the presence of the Lord. Fear the Lord. You will always act and decide in silliness. Remember that word? If you are not in his presence, if you are not in prayer, 
Well, I prayed, I prayed, and then I fell asleep at night. Good, amen. At least you fell asleep praying. But it's got to be more than that. You will decide in silliness if you will make decisions in silliness if you are not in his word. Because then when you seek his presence and you seek his word, nothing comes out. No word comes out of you because it's not in you. So he can't bring to remembrance any scripture because there is no scripture reading or scripture studying. So because there's no scripture reading or scripture studying, we act out in foolishness rather than in the wisdom of the word of God. Are you with me, church? I'll preach it again next week. If you're not in, <laughs> if you're not in love with his word, nor search his word, if you don't know his word, I am not the one telling you this. Guys, this is for me. I am looking at a mirror. This is his word telling us such a person who does not love his word, search his word, and does not know his word. Scripture says that person, such a person, not you, but that person is a fool. I will never call you a fool. I'll leave that up to God. He's called me fool many times. You're acting like a fool. So they can't make the right decisions. You see, because fools, silly people, everyone say silly people. You know them. They despise wisdom. And you know what's crazy about foolish and silly people? They despise wisdom without even knowing it. They actually think they're wise. I know people that say, I am a, um, what are these things called? Because they, they, they didn't go to school and they didn't become a counselor or a therapist. Oh, coach. I became a life coach. But yet they're silly and foolish. You see what I'm trying to say? I'd rather not go to school and learn and grow. But I went online in five minutes. I became a life coach. What do you mean? We can't live like that. Most times they don't even know it. They can't make the right decisions because they despise wisdom. They're fools. They're silly. That's what scripture says. Not regal. They lack what is, what is defined as they lack sense. They lack judgment. They lack common sense and judgment. I hope and I pray that we in this room will no longer lack sense or lack judgment like we did years prior, like we did days prior, but that from this day forward, we would have sense and judgment. Have you or do you feel that you have made decisions in which lack judgment, that have had no sense and has created more of a problem for you? Have you seen that the more you try, you're just digging yourself a greater hole and you're like, when is this ever going to end. Ever been there? You feel like you lack judgment? You lack sense? If your answer is yes, like me, there have been many yeses, then I have found the issue today. I lack wisdom. I lack his word. I lack his presence. I lack prayer. And all of this causes me to lack good decision making. If I don't pray, if I'm not in his word, if I don't come into his presence, if I'm not in this place of worship, I'm telling you that everything in me lacks good decision making. Just talking to myself now. Proverbs 28 verse 25 and 26 says, He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord, Proverbs chapter 3 same words, will be prospered. Verse 26, he who, there it is again, trusts in his own heart is a fool. But whoever walks wisely will be delivered. Are you in a room 
that needs deliverance today, only you could answer that. Are you walking in that room with wisdom? Or are you walking in that room with foolishness and silliness? How's the word of God? This is a very difficult Sunday for me. I feel like I hope you're getting this. We are to make right decisions. We are to operate, to live, to walk in wisdom, even when it's not culturally popular, humanely sensible. Guys, we are still to choose wisdom over the foolishness of this world. Amen. Genesis chapter 22, there's a man named Abraham where the Arabs and the Jews all go back. And they say we all came from him. And then we Christians, what about us? Mexicans and Cubans and Americans and Puerto Ricans. What do we say? We say, well, so do we. We all come from Abraham and we say to Abraham (laughs) that he too is our father. To the spirit of adoption, we become sons of Abraham. So there's this man named Abraham in Genesis 22. Listen to this, guys. We operate, live, and walk in wisdom even when the world decides not to. Abraham was a man who loved God. And although he was old and his wife was past childbearing, God promised that the years of childbearing, very old, touching 100, they waited for a long time for that blessing. And they trusted God. And when their son was born finally, they were filled with joy and they were filled with thanksgiving. And they loved their son, Scripture says. But but years after, this son, this special son, this son of covenant, as he was born, God speaks to Abraham and says, Hey, you know that son that I told you you were going to have, that you waited for, that you love? This son of covenant, this son of promise? He tells him, I want you to do something impossible now. Do the impossible with him. And God tells Abraham, guys, I need you to listen. It's a story that we all know. He tells Abraham, sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. Whoa! I don't want to serve that kind of God. Mm. So Abraham had to choose. Everyone say choose. He needed to make the right decision. Even when everything in his flesh and in his carnal world and maybe his own family member says, it doesn't make sense what God is calling you to do. And he says, yeah, but God said it, so I got to do it and know that at the end of my obedience, he's always the provider. So what happens? Abraham has to choose between obeying God or do I obey my flesh and save my son? So he was prepared to obey God. But at the last second, this is all found in Genesis 22 if you're taking notes. An angel of God tells Abraham, don't do it, stop. Why? God wanted to see if Abraham would be faithful. Faithful to him. And Abraham was faithful to God despite being faced with this decision that was probably agonizing. How do you want me to sacrifice as a burnt offering, my son? There's a point in Genesis 22. There's a point in Abraham's sacrifice here. And it's that God gives us opportunities to show how much we trust him. And it, may, it might not be as shocking as what God asked Abraham to do. But he wants us, you, me, all of us to be faithful and trust him. And to always be ready to make the right decision 
even if it doesn't make sense. Because your sense is not the sense of this world. Your sense in judgment is rooted in your fear of God and in that you operate in wisdom even when it's contrary to anything or anything that anyone else would do. Because you make the right decisions. Abraham's story, one to know. In 1 Kings chapter 12, we have the king of Solomon. After King Solomon's death, his son Rehoboam, he becomes the king of Israel. And the crowning of a new king, the people now hoped that there would be changes in Israel. And they were worn down because if you know anything about Solomon, Solomon built the temple and they were worn down from hard labor. And they were, they were worn down from the heavy tax burdens as well that Solomon had put on them. And they wanted some relief. And finally, his son comes to power. And a new king. We're done with this hardship. And Rehoboam was asked, how are you going to lead the nation? What are you going to do? And Rehoboam says, give me a few days. And I'm going to make my decision. Will it be the wrong decision or the right decision, Rehoboam? So what did he do? He was going to keep a tight rein on the people like his father. Or was he going to choose to lighten the load so that the people could live more freely? So what does Rehoboam do? He begins to call all the elders, the gray-haired men, the men that have experience and wisdom, the men that counseled his father. And he called them in. He says, I need your advice. The wise elders of the community. And he says, what should I do? And they said to him, it will be beneficial for you to ease some of the restrictions and give the people a break. They've gone through a lot with your father. However, Rehoboam, after he was done with them, calls all his young friends and calls the young people over for a meeting. He says, all my young friends from the hood, come over, all the guys that I grew up with. What do you think I should do? And the young friends says, give them higher taxes and work them even harder than your father. If your father was a tough king, man, they would think that you're even tougher, that they would want Solomon back. So Rehoboam decides to ignore wise counsel of the elders, and instead he listens to immature, the immaturity of his friends, of his peers, of the younger folk, instead of the ones who have more experience. You know what his wrong decision did? Rehoboam? Initially, it split the kingdom in half because he didn't listen to wise counsel and he didn't know how to make the right decision. There's a point here, guys, that instead of listening to wise counsel, he chooses to follow his immature friends. They wanted to flatter him with answers that they thought he wanted to hear. If you're running to answers that you want to hear, it's doing no good for us. We seek advice from people who will tell us what we want to hear, and we don't actually want to listen to wise counsel. We just want someone else to say what's already in our heart and in our head. That is a place where wrong decisions and severe consequences, ramifications take place. Then there is King Solomon, his father. In chapter 3, I'm going to read from Eugene Peterson's translation as he writes it, and he says this, in 1 Kings chapter 3, starting in verse 16, there were two prostitutes that showed up to the king, and one woman said, my master, this woman, and I live in the same house. Well, they're prostitutes, they're living in the same house. Try to guess what kind of house it was. And while we were living together, I had a baby. Three days after I gave birth, this woman also had a baby, and we were alone, and there wasn't anyone else in the house. 
except for us two, the infant son of this woman died one night, and when she rolled, she rolled over him in her sleep, and she got up in the middle of the night, took my son, as I was sound asleep, mind you, and put him at her breast, and put her dead son at my breast, and when I got up in the morning to nurse my son, here was this dead baby, and when I looked at him in the morning light, I saw immediately that he wasn't my baby. How many of you are excited that you're not King Solomon? Verse 22, not so, said the other woman. That's a lie. That's not true. The living baby is my baby. The dead one is your baby. The first woman countered, no, your son's the dead one. Mine is the living one. They went back and forth, back and forth this way in front of the king. In verse 23, the king says, what are we to do? We got to make the right decision. And the woman says, the living son is mine and the dead one is yours. And this woman says, no, the dead one is yours and the living one is mine. After a moment, the king says, Bring me a sword. They brought the sword to the king, and he said, let's cut the living baby in two. Give half to one and the other half to the other. And the real mother of the living baby was overcome with emotion for her son and said, oh, no, master, give her the whole baby alive. Don't kill him. But the other one said, if I can't have him, you can't have him either. Cut him away. And the king gave a decision, made a decision, the right decision. And he says, give the living baby to the first woman. Nobody's going to kill this baby. She's the real mother. Verse 28, listen to this. The word got around and everyone in Israel heard the king's judgment. He had sense. They were all in awe of the king, realizing that it was God's wisdom that enabled him to judge truly. It wasn't Solomon. It was the fear of the Lord. Guys, maybe Vanya could play a tune and we're going to close up in prayer in two minutes. But to walk in wisdom, according to the Proverbs, walk is a metaphor describing your way of life. I'm, I'm ending this. In Proverbs chapter 115, check this out. I'm going to read some scriptures fast. Ready? My child, do not walk in their way. You got that there, James? Stay away from their paths. The word walk is not you really walking. It's your way of life. Don't walk. Don't take their way of life. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 20. Therefore, walk. There's that word walk again. It's not really walking. It's the way of your life. Therefore, walk in the way of the good. And keep the paths of the just. Everyone say walk. Proverbs 4.14. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evildoers. Proverbs 9.6. Lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. Each of these paths. We could keep going. Each of these passages highlights the way of wisdom. In contrast to the way of sinness, in the, to the way of folly. This is the, maybe the most prominent theme in Proverbs. Our responsibility as those individuals who fear the Lord is to walk in wisdom's way and to forsake the folliness and the silliness of this world. Guys, I started with this verse and I'm about to close with the same verse. Here it is. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean, do not depend on your own understanding. 
In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. Walk away. Your way of life, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body. It will be refreshment. It will be strength to your bones. Church, all I could say to you is find wisdom. How do I find wisdom, pastor? I still don't get it. Take hold of the fear of the Lord. Start to live a life of prayer. But where do I start? November 1st is a good time. We're going to start 15 days of prayer and fasting so you could grow in wisdom, so you could make right decisions, so you could be thankful. Do you know that your family... I just found out, and I know this stuff is being videotaped, so it's hard. I just found out something very bad about my family. Very bad. To the point of death. And I've been given information. When was I given this information? Today's Sunday. On Friday, late, late Friday, I was given this information. And it's on my heart, it's on my chest. It's about my personal family. And I have a decision to make now with what's been given to me. I need to make the right decision or the wrong decision, but someone's life is at risk here. All I could do in these days now, as I get ready to act, is I need to find the wisdom of God. Because someone's life is at risk. So, Lord, I need your wisdom. I need to come to you in prayer. I need to know your word. If I'm walking in the fear of the Lord, I pray that that wisdom would come out. Church, find that prayer, find that worship, find your presence, find his word, find his presence, find his word. So I end with this again. Have you ever or do you feel that you've made decisions because of lack of judgment, because of lack of sense. Remember King Solomon. And because you lack sense, and because you lack judgment, all you are and all you have is a greater problem. If the answer is yes, you find the issue today. And it's to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I lack wisdom to make the right decision. I lack your word, I lack your presence, I lack prayer, I lack good decisions, good decision making. Can I give you hope today? Can I encourage you today? Look at this verse. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. God, I need your wisdom. I need your word. Howard Hendricks, if you're familiar with him, is a very was a very respect, he passed away already, but very respected man, preacher, teacher, scholarly man. He was actually um, Chuck Swindle's, one of Chuck Swindle's mentors. I sent some of our leaders 
a clip of one of his preachings this week. But he said this in one of his messages, and I wrote it down, and I posted it this week. And he says, when I try, I fail. But when I trust, he succeeds. Lord, I need you to succeed in every matter of my life. So it's not about trying in my own understanding. But it's about trusting and knowing that you understand. Trusting and finding your wisdom in it.